Okay. Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Rosanna, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is July 24, 2012. We are reading from the big book, and we are on um, the forward to the second edition, page XVII, last paragraph, which is paragraph four, beginning with, with the word with. Okay. Our share code for July 23rd, yesterday's meeting, is 2755. Our readers today are Paula, um, Eddie, and Deb W. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. The sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry this message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm going to ask Adrian now to read the 12 steps. Star one to unmute, Adrian. Yes, okay. One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Can do read the 12 traditions, please. Good morning, do compulsive overeater. Um, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Two, our group purpose 
For our group purpose, there is one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting our groups or AA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the alcoholic who still suffers. Six, an AA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. This problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Alcoholics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. AA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Alcoholics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the AA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. 12. Anonymity is spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, too. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Okay, and today we're going to resume our study of the big book on page XVII, a last paragraph, which is the fourth paragraph, starting with the word with. And our first reader is Paula. Good morning, Paula. Good morning, Rosanna. This is Paula, Recovered Compulsive Over Eva. With the appearance of the new book, a great deal began to happen. Dr. Henry Emerson Thodswick, the noted clergyman, reviewed it with approval. In the fall of 1939, Fulton Arsler, then editor of Liberty, printed a piece in his magazine called Alcoholics and God. This brought a rush of 800 frantic inquiries into the little New York office, which meanwhile had been established. Each inquiry was painstakingly answered. Pamphlets and books were sent out. Businessmen traveling out of existing groups referred to these prospective newcomers. New groups started up, and it was found to the astonishment of everyone that AA's message could be transmitted in the mail as well as by word of mouth. By the end of 1939, 
it was estimated that 800 alcoholics were on their way to recovery. Well, with that, I stop. And that paragraph is enough to stop you. What emerged here? But I would like to read what Dr. Henry Edmerson Foswick had said, and that would be on page 572. I think that psychologically speaking, there is a point of advantage in the approach that is being made in this movement that cannot be duplicated. I suspect that if it is wisely handled, and it seems to be in wise and prudent hands, there are doors of opportunity ahead of this project that may surpass our capacities to imagine. Who could have thought? And it says here, even they, I, even the alcoholics themselves that started this book, I think even they were like, whoa. Hmm. When God combines with man what is unleashed here. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Anyone else like to share on what was read? Hi, it's Deb from Michigan. Go ahead, Deb. Good morning, Rosanna. Good morning, A Vision for You. Um, this is Deb from Michigan and a compulsive overeater. I just think this is so awesome. I want to back up. You know, here we are looking at, we left off with this group as being, uh, you know, struggling. It says it was now time the struggling groups thought it to, um, to place their message and unique experience before the world. And so then they, you know, came up with this book. And so here they are. Um, they've been going through some growing pains and, you know, trying to figure all these things out. And all the while, God was working behind the scenes and laying all this stuff out. And it was just absolutely awesome to see. And so at the end of that um that paragraph, it says, the flying blind period ended and AA entered a new phase of its pioneering time. And so now it's talking about how it's exploding even more. Now that they have this book on the scene, here it is, they have this editor who's putting out this awesome piece in the magazine, and then all these people come rushing forward. And it's like, it is so awesome to me as a compulsive overeater to see this just explode before our very eyes on paper. Here we're seeing the actual history of AA and how it's all coming about and how the whole program of recovery just was brought about by God, not by man, but by God. He uses the men who, the men and women who are willing, willing to be, um, who one, wanted this program, and two, were willing to keep going with it, to keep flying with it. And it's just so absolutely amazing and even in our own history in our own lives how God continually brings us along and he is continually um, teaching us as long as we stay willing um, and implementing this program of recovery is just absolutely a blessing and with that I'll pass thank you Deb anyone else like to share on what was read this is Janice good morning Janice Good morning, Rosanna. Good morning, Vision for You. Good morning, my fellow compulsive overeaters. My name is Janice. I am a compulsive overeater, recovered. Thank you, God. What strikes me here is how this message was being carried by this book. You know, in this day, there were, there, they developed a little New York office, it said, because somebody had to mail these books out. You know, 800 frantic inquiries were coming in. And who is going to answer those inquiries? Well, it was going to be those in that little New York office. 
sending a book out and then businessmen who were part of the existing groups were then referred to those newcomers who were requesting information and asking for help. So this message continued to be spread one alcoholic to another. First with the book, it became ever wider able to carry the message, but still one-on-one the message was being carried. Those who were recovered reaching out to those still suffering. You know, it's a pretty amazing thing. This is a day of snail mail. (laughs) You know, there wasn't the Internet. There wasn't the phone contacts as we know them today. There wasn't instant messaging and text messaging. It was still one alcoholic carrying the message to someone who still suffered, staying sober themselves and giving someone else a chance to find a way out. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Anyone else like to share on the paragraph that was just read? Good morning. This is Leah from New York. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Cliff. A vision for you. Um, this is Leah from New York, a composable overeater. And what strikes me is the importance of the individual in this paragraph. Every single person, every um, each inquiry was painstakingly answered. In each one, each, uh, businessmen traveling out of existing groups were referred to other prospective newcomers. Each and, and it's still true today it's that each individual is important, even within the, not only with but especially within the group. And each of us, it, and, and what it says to me is just the same way people reached out to me when I was desperate and I needed help, and I called, cried out, and some people responded to that cry. The same way we need to reach, each of us needs to reach out and um, help and and reach out to others who are still suffering. And that way we can not only help them, but really we're helping ourselves at the same time. Thank you for letting me share. With that I do pass. Thank you, Leah. Anyone else like to share on the paragraph that was just read? Press star 1 to unmute. Okay. I'd just like to share a little bit. Um, It was so beautifully covered. I mean, the shares were awesome. But it just astonishes me as well as how, I mean, they took, how this message was transmitted by mail and how many people, 800 alcoholics were on their way to recovery. And that was, I mean, done through snail mail, like it was said, you know. And how much greater the works today that we could do, you know, through God, of course, helping us to carry this message. I mean, through the phone line, like we have all these, this high tech now, you know. I mean, the the phones, the um, the TV, everything, you know. And um, we can carry this message even more. So then when this started, and that's, and that's a beautiful thing that, you know, God, it mentions here alcoholics and God, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't them in themselves that were able to do this. This couldn't have been done without God, you know, and it tells us that. 
It tells us that. And we're here today because of God. We're here on this line, like it was said, from all over the world, Sweden, Israel, I mean, all over parts of the United States, you know, and we come together in one place to carry this message. You know, how beautiful is that? You know, it's, 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 it's awesome. It's awesome, you know. This was in 1939, and now in 2012, all over the world we can meet in one place, on one phone line, and talk about this message that was way back when God was using these first alcoholics to transmit. That's an awesome, awesome thing. And with that, I pass. And um, does anybody else want to share on this paragraph that was just read before we move on? Press star 1 to unmute. No? Okay. Eddie, um, can you please read the next paragraph or two? Good morning. My name is Eddie. I'm a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. I'm grateful to be traveling the road of destiny with all of you this morning. In the spring of 1940, John D. Rockefeller Jr. gave a dinner for many of his friends, to which he invited AA members to tell their stories. News of this got on the world wires. Inquiries poured in again, and many people went to the bookstores to get the book Alcoholics Anonymous. By March 1941, the membership had shot up to 2,000. Then Jack Alexander wrote a feature article in the Saturday Evening Post and placed such a compelling picture of AA before the general public that alcoholics in need of help really deluged us. By the close of 1941, AA numbered 8,000 members. The mushrooming process was in full swing. AA had become a national institution. Um, just, just the uh, volume, and I guess by today's numbers, uh, this sounds like a very small number. But again, as been previously mentioned this morning, you know, the uh, the, the lines of communication that we enjoy today, and, and I know that I take just for granted, um, just didn't exist. And so uh, these these people, you know, had to really go that extra mile to get um, their hands on either the book or, or speak to someone who was in the fellowship. So it, it spoke to like a commitment on their part uh, that they were so fired up by this um, new thought process, this new program, that they would go to what we call today any lengths to get it. And uh, that that's just amazing to me when, when you think about that, because I knew about um, Overeaters Anonymous for quite some time before I, you know, got myself off my fat butt into a meeting uh, because I just didn't want, I didn't want to go that extra step. I didn't want to take, make that commitment. So, uh, you know, these people inspire us, and me anyway, um, that this is um, something that is worth pursuing uh, and worth holding on to. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Eddie. Anyone else like to share on the paragraph that was just read? Press star one to unmute. Hi, it's Deb from Michigan. Go ahead, Deb. Okay, so I I just am smiling this morning while we're reading this because I'm envisioning, you know, I remember when the Harry Potter books came out and um, how how it was such a big deal, you know, and it it attracted not just children but adults alike. and, And that's just one example, but, I mean, it, it just kind of cracked me up. But here these people are flooding the newsstands. They are 
they are pouring in again, and many people went to the bookstores to get the book Alcoholics Anonymous. How much more, you know, these people were desperate. I am desperate today to live in recovery. If I do not live in recovery, I am in the food. If I am not implementing this program, I am in my head, and God is not working through me, and I am no good to anybody. So here these people are seeing, oh, my word, there's actually a solution. There's actually a remedy to my malady, and thank God they're, you know, it's actually in paper form. I can actually read this and, and implement this into my life. Um, but how cool, as it's unfolding with John D. Rockefeller, Jack Alexander, these guys are big names back in the day. I mean, when these guys spoke, people listened. So, of course, they're flooding into the bookstores. You know, forget about Harry Potter. This is a way of living. This is not just some children's novel. This is not just some, you know, mamsy-pamsy book. This is a way of living, a design for living that really works. And I just, I again, I, I just think it's so cool how we can see this history just play out before our very eyes in black and white. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Deb. Anyone else like to share on what was read? Press star one it's, to unmute. It's Deb Rosanna. Go ahead, Deb. Good morning, Rosanna. Um, good morning, my fellows. My name is Deb. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and very grateful to be here today. And I'm just, it's amazing how we read these words. I love this forward to the second edition. And uh, um, But I read these words again, place such a compelling picture of AA before the general public that alcoholics in need of help really deluged us. And that's how this program works. That's exactly how it works. Um, you know, we share our experience, strength, and hope. And those that are in need of help, you know, it doesn't say that alcoholics, it says those in need of help, those who really want to stop, really deluge us. And that's what happens. When you get somebody who really wants this program, um, they deluge you. They come, you know, they come after it. They come after it with all their might because they've seen something and they know that they need help. So that little sentence really sums up exactly how the process works when somebody really, really wants help. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Deb. Anyone else? This is Paula. May I share? Go ahead, Paula. Thank you. You know, I'm going to go right to that first word, in the spring. And I was just thinking, you know, spring follows winter. And look at what we see. What do we see in spring? We see finally the beginnings of growth. We see green and we see all the things growing. And that's what we see here. But it was followed closely by John D. Rockefeller gave a dinner for many of his friends. And as was said before, and I'm going to piggyback on that one, you know, it's not like if Paula DePerry invites you to a home, gee, that's nice. I'm sure you'd enjoy yourself. But wait a minute now. If Trump invites you, well, that ain't going to happen here, but you never know. But that's what happened here. And who did he invite? His friends. His friends. He thought long and hard about this. Not only did he think, he saw. He saw here. To which he invited AA members to tell their stories. They, weren't, they were more than stories. They were life-changing things. He, he saw what was and what is, and he wanted others to see it too. Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Anyone else like to share? This is Good morning. It's Leah. 
Go ahead, Janice, and then Leah. Thank you, Rosanna. So here in uh, the spring of 1940, John D. Rockefeller, one of the great benefactors, one of the great philanthropists of our time, had this dinner party where he invited many of his friends. And these were the deep pockets. These were the people with a lot of money and a lot of influence. And John D. Rockefeller gathered these people together because he saw in Alcoholics Anonymous something that was going to help the greater good, those alcoholics who were doomed, who had a seemingly hopeless disease. And this is actually where self-supporting would would start because it would have been very easy for these men to get out their checkbooks and write a big fat check for Alcoholics Anonymous. But they knew, and they talked about it at this very dinner party, that they had something really good going here and they ought to keep it simple and keep it that way. But because of this gathering of all these big movers and shakers and benefactors and philanthropists, the word got out that this dinner had been given. And so Alcoholics Anonymous got even more public information out there, got even more press. And look at what's happening here. By March of 1941, 2,000 members of Alcoholics Anonymous are sober. And then by the close of 1941, 8,000. You know, what an amazing thing it is that the message is being carried and people are finding the way out. You know, that that article in the Saturday Evening Post, you can still get that article through AA. That article is still being published today because it was such a compelling picture of AA put before the general public and and the numbers kept growing as a result. You know, they were earning the respect. Alcoholics Anonymous was becoming something that people could count on, they could see was working. You know, that is an amazing thing, and it's still working for us today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Leah. Thank you, Rosanna. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Focusing on this statement here, then Jack Alexander wrote a feature article in the Saturday Evening Post and placed such a compelling picture of AA before the general public that alcoholics in need of help really deluged us. Well, certainly, you know, we see the uh, importance of literature here, whether it's the words uh, penned on the pages of the book, the big book, or in this article that came out, uh, with you know that plays such a compelling picture, such a convincing and and forceful picture of AA. Uh, I uh, I know that that article was entitled "Alcoholics Anonymous: Freed Slaves of Drink, Now They Free Others." And uh, you know it told a story of transformation. That article uh, told a story of transformation of what is possible, what these men and women who were thought to be doomed to be hopeless uh, to be you know uh, drinking their way towards death or gates of insanity, these men and women were now coming to life again. These men and women were uh, sober, they were staying sober, and now they were contributing back to their society, to their towns, to their cities. Uh, you know, because of this, the public could boast about us. Because of this, the public boasted about AA, because they witnessed it. 
you know, they knew their neighbor who they thought was hopeless, <laughs> you know, and should be locked up, or the town mayor, or this one or that one. And they, they saw these people, after having implemented these steps in their life, come back to life, not through any personal success. They saw the hand of God going on here. We, you know, it was essentially a big show-and-tell operation, and it earned the respect of clergymen, it earned the respect of men in science, it earned the respect of the medical field. And AA didn't have to go out there and toot its own horn. AA grew by leaps and bounds because there were results. Living proof. These men and women were living proof that something contained in these pages, in these first 164 pages of the big book, was working for them. And these men and women stood on uh, this message. It wasn't that each man and woman carried their own personal opinion or personal philosophy. These men and women all recovered due to the pages in the book because these pages in the book all led them to a relationship with a power greater than themselves. What a compelling picture. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Anyone else like to share on what was read? Press star one to unmute. This is Robin. Go ahead, Robin. Hi, good morning. This is Robin. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'd like to um uh, follow Leah by by saying, you know, this is this makes me think about what we say about our uh, what I've heard AA say about themselves before that we don't need to promote ourselves. We let our friends promote us. And there's depth and weight to that when um, when you have somebody like John D. Rockefeller, um, the rest of the world sees this in a different way. <laughs> I mean, this was a time when um, alcoholics, you know, had had uh, you know spent years um, having nothing more for themselves than being put in asylums, being um, you know the elephant in the living room, um, being ignored, being treated as second-class citizens, and here um, John D. Rockefeller <clears throat> was able to, um, like Leah said, to, you know, he tooted the horn for us. We didn't need to do that, and there's so much weight to that when, when, where the public is concerned. Um, so I just wanted to mention that, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Robin. Anyone else? This is Sharon. Go ahead, Sharon. Good morning. I'm Sharon, a recovered compulsive overeater. And the thing that strikes me in this paragraph is that he, John D. Rockefeller invited them to tell their stories. And it was their stories that had weight because it was their personal story of recovery but also it was their group story of recovery. And each of us in, in OA are challenged to know our story, to have our story ready, our story of recovery. Not only our own personal story carries weight, but it's the fact that we are recovering as a group so that it gives hope to anyone. It's indiscriminate. This is a recovery that does not discriminate. 
It's a recovery that's available for anyone. And that was the power that AA had. It gave hope to all who listened, everyone who knew someone who was an alcoholic, everyone who was themselves an alcoholic, anyone who had been touched by this disease could receive hope, not because of one person recovering or two, but because a whole community, a whole group of people had come together and found recovery. So it's in coming together, it's in being a group, a cohesive group that functions well across all of our differences that really was was the was part of that calling card it was that recovery and it was that it was available to anyone and it was that it was a group of people that stuck together regardless of what was going on it was a solid rock that people could uh hold on to and that was available and present and with that i pass thank you sharon anyone else would like to share what was read hi from new york Go ahead, Leah. A couple of things that come to mind. First of all, that um, by telling their story, they were publicly acknowledging not just, um, they were publicly acknowledging that this is, that it's possible to go from the depths of the, of, of the, of the low and become upstanding citizens that contribute tremendously to the community and to the to other people's lives. How it's possible to acknowledge one's change and put one's life back into um, from from being the the dregs of society to becoming really upstanding and contributing people. And I think that's what was being demonstrated here by having the alcoholics tell their stories. And it's what still happens to each one of us as we are live our recovered lives and we become um, role models for others. And then they reach out to us and say, well, how did you do it? And we can then carry this message on. The other thing that really struck me in this paragraph was how it mushrooms. And, you know, mushrooms grow out of control. And I'm thinking about this phone meeting and how within a few days it's mushroomed to hundreds of people and how we can carry this message and we can be continue to be part of this same process on a daily basis. Thank you, God. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Leah. Okay, we'll move on to the next paragraph. And Deb W. is the next reader. Thanks, Rosanna. Good morning, a vision for you. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater from Michigan, and my name is Deb. Our society then entered a fearsome and exciting adolescent period. The test that it faced was this. Could these large numbers of erstwhile erratic alcoholics successfully meet and work together? Would there be quarrels over membership? leadership, and money? Would there be strivings for power and prestige? Would there be schisms which would split AA apart? Soon AA was beset by these very problems on every side and in every group. But out of these frightening and at first disrupting experiences, 
conviction grew that AAs had to hang together or die separately. We had to unify our fellowship or pass off the scene. Wow. Um, There's so, so much in this paragraph. And once again, it's just so awesome to see the history of how everything played out for them. And uh, they are and were a living example to us. Um, could these large numbers of erstwhile erratic alcoholics successfully meet and work together? Absolutely. With God, all things are possible. But, you know, for each of us, we have to look at our own stuff. We have to put our wills aside, and we need to ask for God's will, right? We need to ask for a higher power to give us the next right thought and the next right action. And it's so cool because history does repeat itself. We're all human. We all have our our issues. We all, you know, fail at times. But the cool thing is, is we can always turn things around. And so they, too, as a group, as a people who were living out this um this program of recovery, you know, they came to that conclusion that, man, if we don't if we don't come together, it's, if we don't hang together, we're going to die separately. So we had to unify. So during this process, that's where they ironed out the whole traditions, and it's just so awesome to see that, you know, they didn't have a choice here. They had to put this together um, and put those principles before personalities in place so that, um this wasn't going to fade away because this was such a an awesome way to live. They couldn't they couldn't allow all these different things to um, get in the way of that. You know, quarrels over membership, leadership, and money. You know, this is so much bigger than all of that material earthly stuff. This was God's program, and so they realized we need to focus on God because that's that's where it's at. You know, and so that's where you get the traditions. And I'm just. I'm in awe of this whole progression, and, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Deb. Anyone else like to share on what was read? Yes, this is Amy. Go ahead, Amy. Good morning. My name is Amy. I am a compulsive overeater. This is an incredible paragraph. It's scary. It's gross. I mean, you see God written all over it. You know, this is the tradition and the precursor of the beginning of the needing of the traditions. But I would like to focus on the last sentence, which is that we had to unify our fellowship or pass off the scene. But what is it that's unifying us? Yes, it's God, but it's also this need to carry the message. It's this need to tell others that we have recovered and that we all have this primary purpose, that we're understanding what this primary purpose is, which is to carry the message to the still-suffering alcoholic, and that we can all unify on that one point. We may come from all different walks of life, but we can unify on that point. And as a matter of fact, we can go to page 17, a little further up on the, on the big book, about this is a, there is a solution. It says, we are average Americans, all sections of this country, and many of its occupations are represented as well as many political, economic, social, and religious backgrounds. We are people who normally would not mix, but there exists among us a fellowship, a friendliness, and an understanding which is indescribably wonderful. We are like the passengers of a great liner, the moment of after rescue from shipwreck when camaraderie, joyousness, and democracy pervade the vessel from steerage to captain's table. Unlike the feelings of the ship's passengers, however, our joy in escape from disaster does not subside as we go our individual ways. 
The feeling of having shared in a common peril is one element in this powerful cement which binds us. But that in itself would never have held us together as we are now joined. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can joy in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news that this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. This is our rallying point. This is our unifying cry, if you will, that we have a solution, folks. It's here. And this is what we need to do together or die. This is what has to happen to carry the message. You know, we can go through the chapter of working with others where they say it is a vital part, the key foundation of our own recoveries to remain recovered, to carry the message. And that's why this is all working out. All these crazy other things may be happening, the growth, the expansion, the fear, the, you know, erratic, you know, worry about erratic other members, all these other things are going on. But they truly believed that if they got out there and carried the message, that God would carry them, that it would work out, that they may hit bumps along the road, but God was truly with them. And that if they kept their purpose, the primary purpose to carry the message, that they would stay together. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Esther. Esther, go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Esther. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, here it describes this period of AA history as a fearsome adolescent period. So why is this compared to an adolescent? Because an adolescent is somebody who has the body and the abilities of an adult, but yet their mind is, is still childish, and this is where they need to, you know, mature and bring up their, you know, um, their mind up to, you know, where their abilities are. And, and this is really where these alcoholics were at this point. On the one hand, they were you know, they had something exciting going on here. They had this new um, message to carry to the world, and it was a message that was being noticed. And suddenly they were in a place where they hadn't been before, um, a place where they were becoming leaders, where there was money, you know, being, um, you know, turned their way. And the question was, how were these alcoholics going to deal with this newfound abundance and uh, popularity, et cetera? Um, but this paragraph tells us that these were erstwhile alcoholics, meaning they were they were formerly erratic alcoholics. Remember that that alcoholics normally don't, as we would re, as we're going to read later in Bill's story. You know, whenever he had abundance, whenever he had extra money, extra prestige, these things were never used in a constructive way. He would always, um, you know, squander the money on alcohol and and other such matters. But this is this is the point where they were standing at, you know. This is a point that they were standing at where they had this great abundance, and now how were they going to handle it? They realized they had to figure out a system um, to control the, you know, the, the um, desires and the, the natural inclinations of these people to, you know, when they have extra money or extra prestige. And as we'll read further on, they, at this point, this is where they established the, you know, um, traditions which continue to guide the 12-step groups to this very day. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Esther. Anyone else like to share on what was read? It's Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you. Our society then entered a fearsome and exciting adolescent period. And yes, being the mother of uh, a number of adolescents, I can tell you that it's at times uh, a little bit scary and intimidating. And uh, 
you know, AA was growing, it was maturing, and it was uh, entering this fearsome and exciting adolescent period. It was growing up. It was like those teens that uh, Esther just described, you know. There was a lot of good there, but, uh, you know, absolutely, but they were kind of growing into their skin. And they had to work together. The statement here, soon AA was beset by these very problems on every side and in every group, but... Yes, there were problems, but out of this frightening and at first disrupting experience, the conviction, their belief grew that AAs had to hang together or die separately. They learned about unity. They learned that without unity, that heart of AA was going to cease to beat. That without you, there's no me. And how are we going to make this thing work? And yes, the traditions are eventually going to be hammered out by these recovered men and women uh, through trial and error, through some pain, through some tears, through some uh, disagreements out in the hall. These, these traditions eventually will, uh, will be conceived because of this period of, of growth, this disrupting, this uh, oftentimes disturbing and upsetting and, and, and probably confusing period, they realized that we have to stay whole. We've got a great thing going here. And that great thing is that each of us individually, our lives have been revolutionized by God. And there's no bad there. But we've got to stay whole or we're going to die. And how does that happen? How did that wholeness occur? How did that cohesiveness became, become possible? It became possible because each individual has a God to obey. Each individual has a relationship with God. And that overriding goal and that obedience and discipline by God put these people in proper place so that when they came to the group, the group itself would be more elevated. Only peaceful people can make peace. Only peaceful people can make peace. These leaders were spiritually led. There was somebody above this group, and that somebody was God. And these traditions that were eventually conceived through this period that was oftentimes a little fearsome, this teenagehood, this adolescence, these traditions came forward, not out of uh, a necessity for rules and a necessity, necessity for power or control over others or regulations or laws. These traditions eventually came to be. This understanding, this deep appreciation for unity was sprung out of living experience and it was rooted in love. It was rooted in love, the power of love, the power of God. And it kept them whole. And how exciting that was. And thank God, because of it, we're here today. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Anyone else like to share on what was read? Press this is Sharon. One. Janice. Sharon and then Janice. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, thank you, Leah, for what you shared. I, I want to piggyback off of that a little bit. Uh, when I when I think about this, uh, these people coming together, and this chaotic time, and people having their egos in there, and and everyone with different motives. I know my my uh, old self would run for the hills. I'm out of here. I don't want to deal with this. 
because people I thought were my problem. And it was people and their, all of their craziness that if, if it weren't for them, I wouldn't have the problems I had. So now I want to come into the rooms and in order to get recovered, I've got to deal with these crazy people. I don't want to be, I, I, let me go somewhere else. And then the reality is, is that there's nowhere else. This is it. This is the last house on the block. I tell, I say I'm out of options. There's no place else to go. And I, I hear people today in the room say, do I have to sponsor? I see people wanting to isolate within the rooms. And the reality is it doesn't work that way. That's still our old self trying to run the show. We want to create life on our terms, and we want to make it work the way we want it to work. But that's not how it works. In this recovery, we have to come together. We have to come together in the rooms, each one of us reaching out to the next one. We, we have to find a community. We, if you don't have that community, you have to develop that community. And because it's in fellowship that we, that we recover. We don't recover in isolation. I don't know why it is. Why is it that I just can't go off on my own and get this recovery? And when we read this book, we, we're, we're compelled to go reach out to others, to find others. We want to be on this phone uh, meeting because there's others on it. And working together with other compulsive overeaters, uh, we recover. Even when that other compulsive overeater has all sorts of limitations and ego and, and challenges, it's still working together, finding a way to stick together around our common solution, which is the 12 steps of recovery. And uh, that working together around that with ter- determination, with, with fierceness, with, with um, really going that extra mile, throwing ourselves headlong into this program, recognizing that it's only together that we will recover and stay recovered. And it's not come in, get recovered, and leave. That doesn't, it doesn't work that way because those that leave ultimately slip again and fall back in oftentimes to be worse than they were when they first came in. I talk from experience. And so it's together, sticking it out, sticking with, and we we have a a foot up as uh, compulsive overeaters because the AAers, the alcoholics, worked it out for us. We don't even have to go figure out the basics. We don't have to work through this chaotic period, except that we have to learn we have to learn the traditions. We have to learn what it means to work together. We have to learn what it means to put ourselves aside and listen and, and be willing to accept the imperfections of others in order for us to go forward, to go ahead. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Janice? Thank you, Rosanna. Thank you very much. I love when the big book asks us a bunch of questions and then gives us the answer. And that's, that's what I see in this paragraph as well. The test that it faced was this. 
and then it asks us those questions. Could these large numbers of alcoholics, erstwhile erratic alcoholics, successfully meet and work together? Would there be quarrels? Would there be strivings for power? All of those things remind me that we are all oh so human. We are all oh so human. But what I was reminded, and thank you for all the shares this morning, is that now we are spirit-guided minds, you know, that our minds are operating on a different level. When we're abstinent, when we're working the 12 steps, when they, these alcoholics, found themselves in this position, in recovery, we, they could see clearly we had to unify or pass off the scene. That was the big bottom line. And this conviction grew in them and through them that they had to hang together or die separately. Hang together or die separately. You know, and that has not changed. That bit of information is just as important to me today as it was when it was first printed in this volume in the forward to the second edition. That it is just as important today that we be unified You know, what a wonderful thing it is that they worked this out ahead of time for me. And the belief grew in them, and it still grows in me today. You know, that it is an individual belief that brings us in here, but that a group effort is what's going to have us survive and carry this message. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Anyone else like to share on what was read? Well, I'm going to jump in here for a minute because this is just an awesome, awesome paragraph, and it was so beautifully covered by all of you. Um, but I love we had to unify our fellowship or pass off the scene. Um, and how do we unify? You know, how do how do we become unified um, through love? You know, it's been said through love, through God. You know, God is love, and they went through these problems. And that's how they knew, because from their experience and their conviction. And they, and I'm sure, you know, they were recovered people. They prayed for guidance. These things happened, you know, and they prayed for guidance because our egos are there, and they, you know, and they get in the way. And unless we can put that aside, and that's what these steps teach us, is to put that aside, put our ego aside, and be humble. You know, it takes great humility to to be unified, and to know that we need one another. We can't do this alone, you know. And, and once I start thinking that I could do this alone, I'm in big trouble. You know, this is of God. And together we could do what we could never do alone, you know, through God and through great prayer. And, and I, I mean, just being there and putting myself there in this position where these recovered people were, you know, from their experience, they knew that they had to, you know, really seek guidance to be unified and to include others and not exclude others because we all need each other and we all need to love each other. God doesn't want us to do this alone and hang out in a corner by us. I mean, this is with each other, you know. With each other, we can have the fellowship, you know, that we crave. And it's so beautiful that we could be part of this movement that started how many years ago, you know. And they went through all this experience and testing so that we could benefit from it, you know. How good is that? I mean, we don't even have to, we just have to follow the footsteps 
We didn't have to, you know, um, start it and go through it in this manner to make these traditions. They did this for us, you know, and we and if we follow and obey and do this in love, I mean, the fellowship, our fellowship is going to be, you know, far greater than what they even had. How awesome is that, you know? And with that, I pass. And um, our next reader is, well, I think, you know what, we're going to end the meeting because it is 5-2. And maybe, Paula, can you read a vision for you? Yes, I will. And this is Paul Covered Compulsible Reader. Quickly going to page 164. And here we are. Hmm, what a place to be. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you to everyone who has shared. Thank you, God, for making this all possible. Um, We can now join in the serenity prayer. Um, Everyone needs to star one to unmute. Thank you.